Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 791. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, email me at Rabbi Yismach at Take10FortTorah.org. So last week we discussed what I believe is a very significant verse in the beginning of Sefer Bereshis, and that is the Pasuk of Ayitzav HaShem Elokim Al HaAdam Leimor Mikol Eitz HaGan Achol Tochal. Before Adam and Eve, before Adam and Chav are commanded not to eat from the Eitz Hadas in the Garden of Eden, they are told this, you shall surely eat from all of these trees in the garden. So we said, of course, that the um, Gemara and Sanhedrin understands that from this verse, we learn all of the different Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, the seven commandments that are universal and apply to all humanity. But we also mentioned that there is a debate about whether or not the command, or I should say this statement of you shall surely eat the fruits of all of the garden, whether or not that is a command in the first place. The Ibn Ezra we saw says, no, all it is is permission. It's okay for them to eat all of these fruits. And the same way we have with Shabbos, where it says, for six days you shall work, but on the seventh you cannot. And it's not stating that it's a mitzvah to work for six days. You don't have to work if you don't need to. Rather, it's just contrasting with on the Shabbos, you're not allowed to work. So when will I work? I'll work over the course of the week. So too, says the Ibn Ezra here too, really the prohibition and God's interest is only with that one Eitz Hadas, thou shalt not eat, and everything else. Okay, whatever, you could eat, it's not a big deal. You don't have to, you can't. So the first perspective on this is uh, this Ibn Ezra that doesn't understand this to be a commandment, but there's a, a really significant upshot, as we said, beside you going and others, point out that from here we see that when something is forbidden, there will be a permitted counterpart, even if it's not a mitzvah to have that counterpart, it will be permitted. Or beside you goes a step further and says there's more that is permitted than is forbidden. And so we mentioned that there's that Gemara Chulin with Yalta and Rab Nachman, who teach us this principle of everything that is forbidden in the Torah has a permitted counterpart. And perhaps we see this in this Pasuk as well. When Adam is put into this paradigmatic situation where here is the Garden of Eden and you have one free will choice to make. Yes, the tree. No, the tree. What are you going to do? So here we have free will presented as it's supposed to be. There's something which is forbidden, there's something which is permitted though, and there's actually more that is permitted than is forbidden. And that was the first perspective over here. But of course there's another perspective. The other perspective is found in uh, other Rishon, for example, Rabbi Nebachi. Rabbi Nebachi says, He says, really there are two mitzvahs here. The first mitzvah is, a mitzvah say, thou shalt eat from all the trees. And then there's a mitzvah losase, one may not eat from the eitz hadas specifically. Now that really changes the conversation very much because that's really teaching a much bigger chedesh that not only is there something which is forbidden, but everything else is not only not forbidden, but it's a mitzvah to enjoy. It's a mitzvah to go around to the Garden of Eden and enjoy all the variety of fruits that are offered there. And so that perspective really opens up a whole vista of new understanding. There's Gemara in Kedushan, for example. The Gemara there talks about how a person is, uh, has uh, certain requirements in a city where he's looking to live. So he has to have a doctor, and he has to have uh, uh, courts uh, set up, and he has to have a bathhouse. And also it says you need a ginunisa shal yerek, you need a green space. Okay, good. Once the Gemara mentions that, so the Yerushalmi says, Rechizki Rebkom B'Shem Rav, a person will be accountable for all of the things that they saw and did not benefit 
from, which is a really remarkable thing. And so we have all of these pleasures, all of these, so to speak, trees in the garden that are out there, and we are supposed to enjoy them. Everybody knows the story, and I've quoted it many times with Rav Hirsch, where at the end of his life, he wants to go and see the Alps, and his students say, how can you? You're too old. And he says, well, I'm going to get to the next world, and God's going to say, "No, Shamshan, did you see my Alps? And so there's this value, which it seems comes from this Gemara and Kedushan. The Gemara there concludes that of laser of a lesser, would uh, hide away, secret away money in order to, to be able to store up and to save so that he'd be able to once a year buy all of the new fruits. And the question is, what's the religious value in this? Of course, it's beautiful that Judaism suggests that this could be a thing, that we should be going after and we are accountable for all the, the God-made pleasures that exist in this world. But what would be the value? So the value is uh, really possible to be understood in a couple of ways. First, the Tashbit says that this is really all about that we have the opportunity to make many brachos, meaning the more different types of experiences we have. You go to the Grand Canyon, you make a bracha on Osa Masabrashis. Wow, how amazing in this world that God created. You go uh, and eat this fruit. It's a fruit you never had before. So you have the opportunity to make a ha'etz on a fruit that you never had the opportunity. You have the opportunity to find God in the full variety, the full spectrum of experience where you perhaps otherwise would not have searched for God. The perush and the commentaries on the Yerushalmi themselves, also point to the brachos that really allow us to, to bring and elevate all of these experiences. It's not just enjoy the fruit for the fruit's sake, but of course enjoy the fruit for the fruit's sake so that I can be appreciative of God having created this specific fruit in this specific way. Um, the Karban Ha'eda, specifically in the Yerushalmi, mentions that also the ability to make a Shechiyanu, to realize that things aren't always available, and therefore uh, I come in my own life to a stage where I now appreciate that this thing is now available again, to be able to, be able to make that Shechiyanu, that we are really blessing, thanking God for our ability to exist in this moment where I have the opportunity to eat or enjoy this thing. It's the Shechiyanu, which is the focus, not so much the Bracha itself that we make on the thing, because, you know, Ha'etz is Ha'etz, how many fruits am I going to make Ha'etz on? There are a lot of Ha'etzes, but that experience of Shechiyanu, that I can make a Shechiyanu every day if I'm doing something new that I haven't done, let's say, in a year or, or in its entire season. Rev Hirsch has this beautiful quote that I quote all of the time in his collected writings from the notebook of a wandering Jew. He writes how the Chachamim, when they created Brachos, they wanted to create a sensitivity within us all to the variety of experiences that we have throughout the course of the day and throughout our lives. He writes as follows, How different were our rabbis in this respect? How they breathed and felt, thought and lived in God's marvelous nature. How they wanted to awaken our senses for all that is sublime and beautiful in creation. How they wanted to teach us to fashion a wreath of adoration for God out of the morning's rays and the evening blush, out of the daylight and the night shadows, out of the stars glimmer and the flowers scent, out of the roar of the sea and the rumble of the thunder, the flash of lightning. How they wanted to demonstrate to us that every creature was a preacher of his power, a monitor of our duties, what a divine revelation they made of the book of nature. And that is exactly through this process of making brachos. And so, yes, we are required to go out and see and experience and do all of these things, uh, eat all of these things, and we're held accountable, Yerushalmi even says, it's a mitzvah to go and engage with every single tree, because every single tree will offer us a new experience to make a bracha, to make a shechiyanu, to appreciate God in one more nuance, in one slightly different way than we had in the past. And so for sure, all of this is pointing towards a more accepting 
perspective within Judaism of the physical. And we know that this is a very big debate. In Gemara Tainus, the Gemara talks about Kala Yosheh, but Tainus One opinion says if you sit as uh, in fasts and you become a true ascetic and you don't derive any pleasure from this world, you're considered a sinner. And the Gemara there learns that from the Nazir, who is called a Chote in one particular context, or he has done some sort of chet, a sin, by removing his ability to drink wine. Whereas Rabbi Lazar there in the Gemara says, no, Nikra Kadosh, a person who sits and fasts, a person who uh, takes himself away from wine and does all of that that the Nazir would do, is considered to be a holy person. So this debate does exist, whether or not uh, asceticism, whether or not this is a legitimate avenue within Judaism. The Rambam paskins very clearly. The Rambam says in Hilchas Deis Paragimel, Halacha Aleph, Shema Yom maybe a person's going to say that since cannot taiva cover jealousy, desire, and honor are bad things, so I should run to the opposite side, and I should live in an ugly place, and I shouldn't drink meat, drink wine, and I shouldn't eat meat, and I shouldn't get married, and I shouldn't live in a nice place, and I shouldn't wear nice clothing, rather I should have discomfort all of my life. He says, no, that's called a chote. He comes out clearly on that side. It's considered to be sinful to, to live that way. We should only forbid the things that the Torah itself has forbidden upon us. Otherwise, we should We should be eating from those things. He doesn't use those words. I'm inserting those words. And he understands that when we do that, we should be doing it for a larger purpose. We should be doing it to make a bracha. We should be doing it to connect to God through all of these variety of experiences that we will now engage in. But it is not only permitted, but it is a mitzvah, and that's exactly how we're supposed to be living our life, by embracing the physical, by doing all of these things to try to find God within them all. Now you'll ask, what about people who are given credit for their asceticism? There are certain people on a certain higher level. That might be the case. It might be the case that for a few and far in between, the idea of being a parish and being separate is okay, and perhaps it's something which is even considered noteworthy and remarkable. But at the same time, the Ramam is teaching us that that's not the standard. The standard in Judaism is Mikal etagan achal tochal, to not only, we have the prohibition of not being allowed to eat the fruit, but the fruits that we are allowed to eat, not only should we eat, but we should enjoy and enjoy the full diversity of those fruits and those experiences. Have a great day.